0: Well, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, it is great to have you here. Uh, We're currently in a a series called The Manhood of Jesus this term. And uh, so far, we... And I guess we're really considering the humanity of Jesus. The next term, we'll consider the divinity of Jesus. The idea being that Jesus is, not was, but is fully human and fully God. So far, we've considered the significance of the virgin birth. Uh, We've considered... John's introduction around the Word becoming flesh. We, a couple of weeks ago, spoke about Jesus' youth, that little window we have into Jesus as a 12-year-old. And then last Sunday, uh, we considered that scene in the desert where Jesus was overcoming temptation. And today, we're looking at Mark chapter 1, 35 to 39, where we see Jesus withdrawing to a, a lonely or a deserted place uh, to depend on God in solitude and in prayer. So just to refresh our memory, let's just have a look at that passage again together. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him they exclaimed, "Everybody is looking for you." Jesus replied, "Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come." So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A little bit of context first. We're in Mark chapter 1 and the passage that we have just read is almost at the very end of Mark chapter 1. As you can see, Mark chapter 1 is a fairly compressed chapter with all kinds of different things happening. I won't read all of them out, but as you can see, and this is very true of Mark's gospel, there's a real racy nature to it. Uh, Mark is is not sort of in slow motion, if you will. Mark is almost in fast forward. He tells the story of Jesus at a rapid pace, and uh, he really wants to get to the main point of what he's driving toward. Now you can see in chapter 1 that Jesus praying in a solitary place comes near the end of the chapter, um, but it's significant nonetheless, because as we read through the gospel of uh, mark and and it does go at a real pace. we can th- there is a sense that Jesus is very busy, like road runner busy he is constantly on the go from one thing to the next, and I guess what I want to highlight here is the difference between being busy and being purposeful, and the two things are very different. Yes, Jesus was in a sense busy, but he was purposeful doing the work of God. He stayed true to his calling and his mission. And that's very different to, to just kind of going from one activity to the next frenetically. Uh, this passage, told through the eyes of Peter, which is how we come to understand the Gospel of Mark, being, in a sense, the Gospel told by Peter, really highlights Jesus' humanity, first and foremost, in the sense that he depended upon God. Now Jesus in his divinity did not need to depend on God but Jesus in his humanity needed to depend upon God and we of course need to depend upon God in our humanity. We see that ministry as after this time of solitude and prayer Jesus will then go and continue his ministry. We see that ministry is really fueled like ministry that is powerful and effective, always begins with solitude and prayer. I guess we also are invited to consider the, the twofold nature of prayer, that in one sense prayer is very much about relationship with God. It's communing with God, it's spending time in His presence, and so there's that relational aspect but also prayer is a posture we when we pray we adopt a posture of dependence of reliance of trust and so we kind of see in this picture of Jesus praying the twofold nature of prayer the the time that Jesus spends with God is relational time communing with his father but he also goes into that time with a posture of dependence Lord I need you you are the higher power if you will there are three occasions in the Gospel of Mark where we see Jesus specifically withdrawing. They all occur in the dark. Um, he, he withdraws at night or early in the morning to a place of prayer. And these three occasions, the where I suppose Mark has put them, are significant. So we have one early on in the beginning, which we've read today. This is right at the very start of Jesus' ministry. We then have a time, so after the feeding of the 5,000, another significant time of ministry and in potentially overwhelm if you think about all of the people that Jesus was ministering to on that occasion. So after the feeding of the 5,000, which is about halfway through the Gospel of Mark, Jesus also withdraws for a time of prayer in the dark. And then finally, near the conclusion, we see Jesus at Gethsemane in prayer. And it's not as if Jesus only prayed three times. Uh, the other gospel accounts uh, show us other times in the ministry of Jesus where he withdrew to pray. But I think what Mark is certainly wanting to highlight here is that solitude and prayer was a regular practice and habit and discipline of Jesus. And certainly it highlighted uh, and strengthened and empowered His ministry. Let's just walk through this account and see what we can learn. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The first thing that I mean that strikes me about this is that it was early. And and we don't just wake up very early in the dark. Naturally, unless of course we've trained our bodies to do so, Uh, there is a real sense of purpose and intention here of actually having to make a choice, a decision like spending time in the presence of my Father is so necessary and so important that I'm going to make the time for it. It's significant that Jesus makes this time and it's significant that this time is right at the start of the day before anything else happens. It's kind of a a first things first mentality. There's a sense of I cannot do uh, everything that I need to do today unless I ground myself in prayer uh, and in silence and solitude with the Lord. The second thing that we note is that Jesus withdraws to... uh, Different translations will say... I think our our translation today, what does it say? Wilderness? The wilderness. Other translations will talk about a lonely place. Um, The original word is desert. And it's in fact the same word that Mark uses when Jesus goes into the desert for his time of temptation. And so it's interesting to think that, in a sense, Jesus is returning to the place of, yes, temptation, but also victory. Jesus returns to the place where he had to really depend upon God. In a very weak state, as a human man, he hungered for 40 days without food. Jesus returns to the place of trial, of temptation, but he returns to the place of victory. He returns to the place where he learnt to depend upon God and where he knew that he could trust in God and that God would give him victory. That, I think, is significant. And finally, what we see as Jesus withdraws to this place, a place that is particular, he is, in a sense, plugging in to his power source Uh, If he doesn't plug into the power source, there's a sense that very soon he will run out. You know, we we know that as human beings. We need to continually plug into God spiritually if we are to remain focused on the work that God has for us. Jesus is carving out time. He is going to a specific place and he is plugging in to his heavenly Father. The other thing that he is doing is he is withdrawing from people. And I think time away from people, I've certainly found this to be true, time away from people makes us better with people. We need to have time out so that we can bring our best selves when we relate with other people. Now, it's really helpful for us. I love this quote from Richard Foster in the Celebration of Discipline coming from his chapter on solitude. He says, we must seek out the, I love this word, recreating, recreating stillness of solitude if we want to be with others meaningfully. We must seek out the recreating stillness of solitude if we want to be with others meaningfully. Simon and his companions went to look for him, being Jesus, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus was becoming increasingly popular. And all we have to do is actually look at the verses that precede this section, to get a feel for how popular Jesus was becoming. Look at verse 32, 33, and 34. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. This was no night on the couch with a cup of tea watching escape to the country. (laughs) Jesus was hard at work. (laughs) We don't know how big this village or town was. And maybe there is a sense of exaggeration. We, We hear that in Peter's words. Everybody's looking for you. Um, But there is a sense that Jesus is very much a man in demand. He is incredibly popular. That's what had preceded the night before Jesus woke early and withdrew to the desert place. Um, There's also a tone in in Peter's voice, I think, of the shoulds. (laughs) You should be doing this. Like we, they looked for Jesus, they found him. Uh, there's a sense of, Lord, what are you doing here in the wilderness, in the desert, in this lonely place, when everybody's looking for you? Like they obviously had this incredible time of healing and maybe revival the night before, and everyone's returning and wanting to see more of, in a sense, the, uh, the wonder of what Jesus can do. You should be doing this. I know how easy it is to get caught up in the shoulds, and sometimes it's those shoulds that actually distract us from the more important thing, from the thing that we ought to be doing, or we could be doing. It's a very human thing, isn't it? You should be doing this. Uh, See, there's a real difference between the human expectation and the God expectation, and very often we allow ourselves to be drawn into the human expectation when we need to allow ourselves to be reminded of the God expectation. Now Jesus was in becoming increasingly popular, but Jesus did not allow his popularity or the acclaim of people to distract him from his highest priority. And his highest priority was spending time with his Father. And he ensured that that time was kept. You see, the more we are needed, the more need we have. Jesus was becoming incredibly needed. There were so many people who had need for his presence, for his healing, for his ministry. And I think about, there are many people in this congregation who are very needed. I'm thinking about parents I'm thinking about teachers, counsellors, pastors, people in caring professions, daughters, sons. We are pouring ourselves out, pouring ourselves out. We need to make sure that we are pouring from a place that has been filled. And Jesus understands this, and Jesus models this. That time is so important. Jesus replied, "'Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages "'so I can preach there also. "'That is why I have come.' So they travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons." So this is the conclusion of our passage today. The disciples, Simon and, or Peter and the disciples have found Jesus and Jesus kind of is going to leave this time of solitude and prayer with an incredible sense of focus, of the grander vision of what God has called him to do. He speaks with conviction and he speaks with clarity. And we can see here the wonderful benefit and necessity of taking time out to spend with God. Jesus speaks with resolve. Jesus has in a sense been fueled up by the Father. And now he is ready for ministry. And as I mentioned earlier, ministry that is fueled first and foremost by solitude And prayer is ministry that is powerful and effective for God's kingdom. Let us not be a church. Let us not be a people who do ministry on empty tanks. Let us be a people who are committed to doing less. But what we do do, we do on full tanks. It's not about having all of the different programs and all of the different activities just so we can appear to be doing all of the things that a church is expected to do. And oftentimes, it's the expectation of people that we're seeking. We need to seek the expectation of God. And do you want to know what God's highest priority for his church is? Surprisingly enough, it's that they would love one another. (laughs) Like on the night of Jesus' betrayal, the thing that he most was convicted about sharing with his disciples was how they loved one another. This is one of the things that, as a pastor, I really struggle with. I have such a huge love and such a huge burden for this community of people. And there are times when I know that there are people in this community who are not getting along. And that's really burdensome. And so one of the things that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, can do if we really want to honour God's desire for his church, let's truly consider how we can love one another. And this morning was a beautiful expression of our love for one another. But learning to love one another is is actually really hard, isn't it? It's really hard because we are a group of people and in any group of people, there are a whole range of different personality types and and sometimes those personality types clash and have conflict. Um, Now, of course our love for one another is not just about creating a really nice place to be it's about being a light for a lost and broken world and if we can truly learn to love one another well then of course that leads to all kinds of wonderful ministry Um, not the least being wanting to share the good news of Jesus with others so the thing is though if we share that good news we want to invite them into something where they can really see the authenticity of what God's design for his people is like Jesus returns fueled for ministry. Now, he highlights his priorities. And the priorities that Jesus has are preaching and the driving out of demons. What is it in particular about preaching and driving out demons that is so important? We know that there's a whole range of things that Jesus did. He had a significant healing ministry. He spent time training his disciples, discipling them, if you will, to carry on the mission. What is it about preaching? And what is it about driving demons? That was the priority for Jesus. Well, firstly, Mark kind of tells us what Jesus is preaching, like the content of Jesus' message it's not limited to these words, but I guess this, in a sense, encapsulates the kind of message that Jesus was proclaiming. Just a few verses earlier in Mark number one, Mark chapter 1, we, we spoke about this in term 1. The message of Jesus was that the time has come. Remember the time? It's like the baby being born moment. It's like you need to act now. This is a really significant time. The time has come, the kingdom has come near. Repent, so turn away or turn around, change your thoughts and believe the good news. The difference between preaching and healing, as wonderful as healing ministry was of Jesus, is that when Jesus preaches, when the word is proclaimed, a response is required. When somebody is healed, that's a wonderful, miraculous gift and it's a manifestation of the kingdom of God at hand. But it doesn't call them to the same level of repentance and response that the gospel message does. That's why it is a priority to Jesus to preach because ultimately he wants people to make a response to him. Jesus will walk away from the popularity of the crowds because what they are interested in is a miracle worker. They're not interested in his words or his teaching. They're interested in what they can see, in what he can do. But Jesus is interested in their hearts and their responsiveness to him and that will only come through the preaching of the good news. Secondly, in terms of driving out demons... What Jesus is doing with every single demon he expels and he casts out, he is demonstrating his victory over Satan. That the power of light is greater than the power of darkness. Jesus is victorious. He is here and he will deliver those who have been captive and bound by the evil one some brief reflections from today's passage. I know I've been kind of reflecting as we walk through. But Jesus was a man in demand. And uh, I think, again, about a number of us who who find ourselves in very demanding seasons of life. Personally, I feel as though I'm in a very demanding season of life. I feel the constant demands of home life. I feel the constant demands of my church family, who I love. And I feel often torn between these two families, not in terms of a conflict, but, but just that my time, is, I, my time is limited. I have a limited resource. uh, But many of us would be in in a similar boat or could at least think back to a time when we had a young family, when we were working, maybe we were commuting. um, We just felt as though there there was little time. Uh, We kind of feel pulled in, in a variety of directions. Jesus was in demand, yes. But that increased his desire to spend time being refreshed and replenished with his Father. Now, oftentimes, when things are demanding and we have little time, uh, we can actually let go of the things that we need the most. What have I said here? Sometimes the thing we need the most is the thing we do the least. That's true, isn't it, when we're in those demanding seasons, Uh, I don't have time for, for prayer. I don't have time for exercise. I'm too busy. These kinds of things that are actually, I don't have time for sleep. I'm too busy. But in fact, like sleep and prayer and exercise are so important to living a healthy lifestyle, physically and spiritually. But they're often the things that get the least amount of attention in many people's lives. As we spoke about earlier, when we're in a demanding stage or season of life, It means that there's lots of people depending on us. Who are we depending on to be strong and resourceful for those who depend upon us? Next, we see Jesus withdrawing purposefully. Jesus withdrew with intent. He chose to go to a special place. He diligently rose early while it was still dark. I love this quote. Too busy is a myth. People make time for the things that are really important to them. Jesus in his humanity made time with the Father a priority. He didn't accept the myth that he was too busy. Now, when we consider withdrawal... There's healthy withdrawal, but there's also unhealthy withdrawal. And oftentimes we might be inclined to withdraw, but in an unhealthy way. We can withdraw into our phones. We can withdraw into our TVs. We can withdraw into hobbies. We can withdraw into substance abuse. We can withdraw and remove ourselves from other people so that we don't have to have that difficult conversation or we don't have to receive help that others want to offer us. Jesus withdrew purposefully. His withdrawal was healthy. The motives of his withdrawal was to be with God so that he could be with others more meaningfully and more purposefully. If we don't withdraw when we are people who are in demand, very soon we will start to become resentful. And exercising ministry from a place of resentment is really unhealthy. But when we withdraw purposefully and God fills us with his spirit and we have a renewed sense of focus and mission, then we can enter back and bring our best selves and love people as God intends for us to love. It would be a lot easier for us to love one another, to spread the good news of Jesus, and do all the ministry that he calls us to do if we were investing time in his presence. Because we see that Jesus leaves that time of prayer with a renewed sense of vision and focus. And if we spend that time too, then God will also lead us to his desires. We see Jesus in this time of solitude and prayer and I I think about solitude I think about really rich soil spending time in solitude is like spending time in it's like a plant planted in rich soil It, it allows that plant the best opportunity to grow and In order to grow as followers of God, we need to spend time in his presence. Solitude is not about just being silent, but it is also about being silent. And I think about how much of my prayer time is spent with me speaking and then moving on with my day. You see, solitude is actually both speaking, but it's also listening, and it's learning to be still, and it's learning to slow down enough so that God can actually reveal both his true self and our true selves to us. And that's a process. I love this quote by Henry Nguyen. It's challenging and convicting. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Solitude begins with a time and place for God and God alone if we really believe that God not only exists but is also actively present in our lives, healing, teaching and guiding, we need to set aside a time and space to give God our undivided attention. It's a challenge, isn't it? (laughs) It is a challenge. Jesus in his humanity models this to us. Jesus goes to a specific designated place and there's a there's I think there's something here for us that is important to consider. There are various places where you go every day and there is a routine associated with that place. At eight AM every morning I go to the bathroom, I shave, I shower, I get dressed, I do my hair, and that is just a routine, it's a rhythm. I do all of those things in a particular order. Many of you would have a similar practice. The place reinforces the discipline and the habit. Having a place where you can go to have that time of solitude and prayer is really, really helpful. Now, that place is going to look different. For some, it may be a room. There may be a room where you choose to go for that time. Uh, For others, it may be a special chair. And you actually let family members know that that chair, when you're sitting in that chair, you're having that time. Um, It could be an external place to your home. There may be uh, a particular park bench at the beach or at a park. Um, We're very blessed here on the coast, aren't we? There's so many beautiful places that we can actually go and be still, and actually just absorb the glory of God. Um, Maybe for you, it's a walk. Like, you're going to go on this regular walk, and that walk is a purposeful time of withdrawal and solitude and prayer. Um, But I think having a place where we go that reinforces the trust in God is so important. And then Jesus comes away from that place with such a, a focus, a resolve around what his priorities are. And so I think for us, like during different stages and seasons of life, what's essential might look different. But for you right now, in your season and stage of life, what is essential? What is God calling you to do. Who is God calling you to be? Do you have a particular ministry that God has really just at this point in time, God has spoken to you in such a powerful and convicting way that you are like this I've just got to give my all to this. This is this is going to become my focus. This is what God has invited me and called me into. I know there are many of us who are here who are actually living that out. What about you? It's going to look different. But only when you spend that time with God, when you hear from Him, when you listen and when you speak, will you come away with that greater, grander vision of not just the everyday today, but the greater vision of, of what, what I'm about and why this matters and why God's called me to do this. Finally, I want to make a concession. Uh, and acknowledge that when we talk about solitude and silence, for some of us, that's a really fearful thing. We are hugely extroverted, and we love being around other people, and the thought of a period of time of withdrawal and silence and solitude actually really freaks us out, and we do everything we can to avoid these kinds of times. Uh, There are others of us who have very, very little time And, for example, we have young children. um, Maybe we're suffering from an illness. Maybe we're commuting long hours. And we can come up with all of the reasons why we can't really factor in a time of silence and solitude. And I guess what I want to say is let's just be understanding and sensitive to the fact that God, God understands that guilt is no motivator. And it's going to look different, you know. It's not... You're not going to necessarily have an hour every day. But I think the message is to try and make the time, and whatever time that is, however frequently that is, is totally between you and God and what you can afford. But just know that God actually really longs and desires to have that time with you. You see, it's not about us earning His favour and approval but it's actually responding to his love for us. And as we enter into that time, there's so many blessings that come from it. Thank you for engaging this morning. May Mark chapter 1, 35 to 39, and our reflections upon it this morning, not just be about gathering information, but may God's Holy Spirit convict us to consider how we might look at the model of Jesus and seek to follow in his footsteps that we could be a people who are filled so that we can go and bless and love others and so that we can be a people and a community who remain focused on the priorities God has given us for this time and season and place in our lives. God bless you all. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the opportunity to just take some time and very slowly and thoughtfully work through these few verses in Scripture that highlight the centrality and the necessity of solitude and silence that you, Jesus, modelled and demonstrated in your earthly ministry. And that's going to look different for each and every one of us this morning. But I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would gently show each one of us, Lord, how we can make that time a priority in our lives, in our busy lives, and reap the wonderful rewards from doing so. For the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.